0: Hey, this is Stefan from Studying Pixels, and for this month's replay, we're going to bring back our Halloween special from October 31st, 2021. This is about cursed video games. It's an extra creepy episode, and I distinctly remember that when we recorded it back then. We recorded during the daytime, but in order to established the mood a little bit. We deliberately closed the curtains and we put up candles and we put on some, you know, scary music. It's a particularly frightening episode and I hope that you enjoy it as much as we did recording it back on October 31st, 2021. You are listening to Studying Pixels, a spooky podcast on game studies and video game culture. I'm Stefan Heinrich Simond, a game study scholar from Germany.
2: I'm Dan Hughes, a Japanese scholar from Texas. And you can find us every Sunday on (laughs)
0: StudyingPixels.com
2: and wherever you get your podcasts.
0: A doctor says, Mr. Roberts, we got you back. You were dead for ten minutes. As the patient grins and says, Mr. Roberts is still dead.
2: Ooh.
0: (laughs) Starting out strong. (laughs) That was a a two-sentence horror story. I found it on on the subreddit. Two-sentence horror. This is something that I just can't stop
2: browsing. They're very addictive and very spooky. Perfect for this time of year. Do you know any good ones? Any two-sentence horror stories? Yes. Well, I may be be paraphrasing this one, but one of my favorites is um, I was woken up late at night by the crying of my wife and child. I wish they would stop. They died two weeks ago. Ooh, that's the shiver. (laughs) (laughs) That's the good stuff.
0: Um, Yeah. I think one of my favorite ones is you're a child, and uh, in the middle of the night, you're being woken up by your mother from the kitchen. She says, honey, can you come down, please? So you make your way down, halfway down the stairs. You hear your mother's voice from the bedroom. Don't go. I heard it too.
2: Oh. <sighs> <laughs> that is such a good one. There, oh, the the horror of the... Uh, um. The accidental doppelganger. Yeah. It really scares me. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, I guess, the listeners, you have already figured that this is our Halloween special episode. So we won't do any of the regular things. We won't have a, a separate main story. We won't do any side quests. And instead, we are mainly here to share some creepy stories, specifically some creepy pastas. And not just any pastas, but pastas that centrally feature video games, because there are quite a lot of them. It seems like video games are a good platform
2: for horror stories. Yes, there's something about, I think, uh, the shared memory that we all have of older video games. Something draws us to stories about how they may have gotten very scary or something may have gone awry when you pop that cartridge into your system. Some weird glitches appear. Some mm. strange
0: things happen. You're being transported to a different place. A boss is suddenly not who they were supposed to be. Or games even break the fourth wall. I think that's something that, that permeates most of these creepypastas. They go beyond what a game is supposed to be doing and they pervade into
2: your actual life. Yes, being stalked by some character that you thought was friendly at first, but now has turned his back on you. Oh man. Oh man. I
0: mean, I guess we have to mention since those are creepy pastas f- just for the sake of journalistic ethics. Th- these are not our stories. Like we haven't made them up. They are by actual authors usually or they are like fumbled together from various sources. Some of them are urban myths. For some it's it's easy to identify a clear author, someone who wrote this up at least. For others it's like information that we got from all over the place. So we can't always name, we can't always credit the authors. And of course, um, we will, throughout this episode, treat them as if they were real. We will tell mm. these stories. Whether we believe they are true or not is a whole nother story. But I think part of the appeal is to assume, for the just for the sake of it,
2: that they are true. Well, that's what makes them scary, after all, is that you wonder, could this have really happened? And I think the answer is yes. Yes.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, normally we would uh, declare if we ever report anything on this show of which we are not certain that it is actually true and we would double check (laughs) our sources. Uh, Well, this one is a special episode and is an exception from that. And of course, maybe it's also apt to give a content warning up front, just to be fair. This episode will include allusions to violent crimes, to violence in general, to suicide as well. I think those are pretty much the big things uh, that will be included in these uh, in these creepy stories. And we hope that you can, you know, sit down, have yourself a nice cup of tea, uh, maybe close your curtains or lean back, close your eyes, and enjoy the creepy pastas that we've collected. Shall we start off with maybe maybe a classic? A classic oh, yes. that I actually find quite interesting. This is about Lavender Town and Pokemon Red and Blue. Pokemon, as we know, has been the center of some controversies. Um, I specifically remember that with the Pokemon anime that there was an episode that was supposed to trigger photosensitive seizures, in, especially in children. It was a special attack that Pikachu did at some point and the screen flashed in various different colors. And it would it would actually trigger seizures, right?
2: Yeah, it was uh, Electric Soldier Porygon was the name of the episode, and uh, there was something about the animation style that they used going with that that character. That it was there needed to be a warning in front of it, and I think it did actually trigger a few seizures.
0: Yeah, I think this is yep. this is not fake. I have also seen the episode uh, back in the day when I was a child. I haven't I haven't rewatched it, but I remember that I've seen it. And um, it, it was uh, a little bit, I, I don't suffer from photosensitive seizures. I never had any seizures, although it can mm. even, it can happen. Even if you're not diagnosed with it, you can have a seizure. It's normal that throughout the course of a person's life, it can happen two or three times without being actually considered pathological. But I do remember seeing this episode and having this sinking feeling in my stomach as if, if this went on longer for a couple of seconds, like the quickness of the screen flashing, then it might have done something to me as well.
2: Yeah, so very, uh, very relatable, uncomfortable feeling, and uh, I think they they had to, as I understand it, they had to they had to either put the warning in front, and then they had to remove the episode. And I think they had to do a lot of tweaking in it to make sure Mm. that that wouldn't happen again.
0: Yeah, yeah. What a terrible idea is this. (laughs) Honestly, I know
2: it (laughs) seems it seems like there wasn't a lot of thought put into it, frankly. So I don't know if calling an idea calling it an idea is really appropriate. (laughs) You'd think that that would be on your on your checklist of making children's television programming number one would be don't give them seizures. <laughs> yes, it's like it's not hard to do.
0: Just don't right, make right. the screen completely flash all the time. My goodness! <laughs> but one of the oldest stories revolving around Pokemon is the so-called Lavender Town Syndrome, or, the, or better known as the Lavender Town Incident. And this is an incident that took place after the release of the games Pokemon Red and Blue in Japan in February 1996. And Lavender Town is an actual place in these games that I would I would say it emphasizes the dark side of Pokemon. It is Oh yes. Yeah, right? It's a cursed place in in this in Lavender Town you can only find ghost type Pokemon. And in its center is a Pokemon tower. That's kind of the highlight of Lavender Town. And this Pokemon tower is full of uh, trainers mourning for their deceased Pokemon. And it's riddled with gravestones. So it's uh, a side that you don't usually see of such a child-friendly lore like Pokemon.
2: Yes, it's very deliberate that death is real in Pokemon. And sometimes your Pokemon friends will die. Yeah,
0: yeah, they will do that, as sad as it is. And um, especially noteworthy regarding Lavender Town is um, that it has a certain score, like an original musical composition that plays in the background. We all have like Pokemon songs in our head from playing these Game Boy games, if we did back then. And there's a specific kind of track that plays in Lavender Town that is allegedly linked to the suicide of about two hundred children in Japan. This is a very sharp chip tune sound with persistent dissonances. Uh, it's very uncomfortable. I listen to it. It's not. It's really not pleasant. I I, I personally don't have a problem with dissonant music. I love like you know mathcore and free jazz and all <laughs> this kind of stuff. So right. I'm, I'm I'm quite you know tolerant when it comes to weird musical musical experiments but but this is really hardly bearable especially because it contains high frequencies mm. the notes in the lavender town score go so high that they are that they leave the range of what is perceivable for adults in the original version of the game however we do know that children's ears are a lot more sensitive a lot more perceptive when it comes to high frequency sounds similar maybe it it works a little bit similarly to how dogs can hear a wider range uh, of, of sounds that's why dog whistle you know you whistle into it but you don't hear anything well the dog does hear very high pitched noise and that's the similar assumption for for the lavender town music and after being exposed to this looping track which plays over and over and over while playing through lavender town 200 children are said to have committed suicide after listening to the score. The majority hanged themselves, others jumped from high buildings, and numerous more children have reported to have developed severe headaches or they have displayed the parents got concerned because they displayed irrational behavior. And after these incidents took place, and were linked clearly to this lavender town score. The theme music was actually changed a bit, so that these high frequencies were taken out, replaced by lower frequencies, um, and uh, then the, this wave of suicides would sit, would you know, recede, recede. That's the right mm. word. Would recede. Yes. But of course, of course, we can still find the original track on the internet. The internet has everything. Uh, we can't play it on the show because of copyright reasons.
2: But and we for have, your safety, listeners. And,
0: and for your safety. That is the true reason. That is the true reason. We wouldn't play it on the show because we don't want anyone, not even to speak of suicide, but just to get a proper headache if you're listening to this with headphones. Yes. So we're not going to play this music. But if you want to listen to it, we've got it linked in our show notes. So if you dare, then go ahead and
2: listen to the Lavender Town School. Yes, at your peril. I think uh, what a... What a chilling story, and I think a, a believable one because I don't know about you, Stefan, but the, uh, when you step into Lavender Town and you're greeted by even the, the toned-down version of that music, mm. it does feel decidedly different from the rest of the game. Something uh, inherent to the tone has shifted, and you're, you're met with um, a strange, morbid reality that you wouldn't expect to see in a children's game.
0: I totally agree. I think especially the fact that it's placed in this otherwise rather cutesy world of Pokemon is what makes it so eerie. And the music, wow, it is such a huge contributing factor. I've listened to it. Uh, I've already mentioned that. And for me, it was it, it invoked some displeasure, definitely. So I think you can safely expect to, to experience displeasure. Do I believe that this is linked to the suicide of children? I'm not so sure can high frequency noises really lead children to commit suicide? I don't know to which degree this is an urban myth or like a false correlation that has been drawn there mm. but uh or well correlation but not causation basically, but still i I would say you know don't maybe don't put it on repeat while you're studying or something that might <laughs> that might not work well <laughs>
2: yes, so. As we said, again, listen at your peril to this uh, Lavender Town theme that had to be changed for the sake of the children. Yes. Well, speaking of children and old cartridges, are you familiar with the story of Ben Drowned?
0: I am sort of. I know that Ben Drowned is, I think, one of the most popular video game related creepypastas. I've heard, heard it referenced many times. I know the gist of it. And it's been even called out when I asked on on Twitter mm. what your what your dear listeners, what your favorite creepypastas are, been drowned, uh, has definitely been mentioned.
2: Well, I can tell you that this, this one holds a very special place in my heart because this was the first creepypasta, a uh, video game-related creepypasta that I had ever engaged with. And when I was looking through it, there are a lot of... Familiar, uh, familiar points that make you wonder. I wonder if I might not run into a cartridge like this. Mm. So let's let's dive into the story of Ben drowned. This was. Uh, I'm going to take you to a very scary place um, called 4chan. And uh, <laughs> I'm getting the chills already when I hear that yes, name. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so <laughs> this story was originally told on 4chan by uh, a user named Jade Usable. Um, who had gone to a garage sale looking for some old uh, video games. This is something um, I'm not sure how frequently they they happen in Germany, but garage sales or yard sales they're a big thing here in the states when people are trying to get rid of their old things for and try to make a little money off of them.
0: This is basically for all these, uh, you know, digital natives. Um, this was before. This is basically offline eBay, sort of say.
2: Yes. Yes, exactly. And kind of the, the terrifying thing about garage sales is that you really don't know what you're getting when you buy it, because yeah. you don't know the history of, of this person and where it was coming from. So you're, you're kind of uh, you're really engaging in buyer beware, just as Jade Usable was. So he went to this garage sale, and he was looking through some old things and found that there was a stack of old N64 cartridges. And he was looking through them. There were some familiar titles. There was Super Mario 64. Um, there was uh, the um, RPG 64 game. All these different familiar things. And he found one. It was a plain cartridge. And it just had Majora written on the back of it. So, of mm. course, any Nintendo fan would know that this is most likely a copy of The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. I would assume so, Yeah, so, yeah. Maybe it just the the label peeled off those old cartridges. If you <laughs> in the hands of sweaty children, mm-hmm. uh, all kinds yeah. of labels would peel off. So he went up to uh, the old man whose house it was, and um, he asked if he could if he could take this. He was sort of haggling with him, and when he was discussing it, the old man said, "Oh yes, that belonged to that belonged to a boy. Um, he's no longer around," and he was very very vague about it. So jade usable thought no nothing of it and he takes the cartridge home and starts playing it and he pops it in and i guess it's to be it's to be expected that an old cartridge like this without the label and with a um handwritten title on it might be a little janky there might be a few things wrong with it so he pops it in and there's you know for the most part the game seems normal but there's some glitches characters are in places where they're not meant to be um certain lines are being said by characters that don't usually say them and he doesn't really think much of it until he decides to use what's called the fourth day glitch fourth day glitch in majora's mask majora's mask is set up in uh 3 days that you can repeat infinitely there's supposedly a glitch where you can enter into the fourth day the mythic fourth day where everything is fine, you don't have a time limit, and you can run around the world of Termina and the town Clocktown um, without any restrictions. But when he does this, the screen goes from black and fades into Clocktown, but all of the residents of Clocktown have disappeared. And all he can hear is the repeating laughter of the happy mask salesman mocking him as he's walking around this empty town. So maybe a little bit more than just a glitched old cartridge at this point. So as he starts looking around, he gets nervous and, and almost uh, he's he's fed up with this laughter. It feels like it's grating on him. And eventually he decides, OK, I need to get out of this, but he can't exit the game. He can't what do you mean? Quit he, out can't, the- he can't exit? The- what do you yeah, mean he can't it, exit the game? In trying to trying to uh, close out the game, the, the exit game um, option is no longer there. Oh he God. can't load into another save. <laughs> he, can't, he can't leave this clock town with, with no people. I could also imagine that this is like, this is. I would be tempted to maybe say,
0: maybe I just pull the plug. But on the other hand, I would imagine that there is just an inherent curiosity there. Like, yes. honestly, if, if I think it, it sounds in hindsight, maybe stupid to do such a thing, like almost like you watch a horror film and you think like, oh, don't go down there. But if you are actually in the moment and you don't expect like much worse to come from it, you might think, hmm, but now that I've triggered it, who knows whether I might be able to trigger it again. I might as well proceed a tiny bit and see what happens, you know?
2: Yes, and uh, well, and what's the worst that could happen after all, right? Yeah, what's the worst think, that can happen? Yeah. I think you're exactly right because um JD Usable uh explains that Majoras Mask is one of his favorite games, so he knows it inside and out. And so yeah. I would say if you discover something, you you almost feel like um you're you're an intrepid explorer finding something that no other speedrunner or Majora's Mask player has ever found. So, it's creepy though it may be. I think you would you would say, oh, what what am I finding here? And so, what he finds uh, is is pretty disconcerting. So, when he's trying to leave, he realizes he can't leave the game. He can't reset it. So, he decides that the only way to get out of this fourth day glitch is to kill Link and get a game-over screen. So he decides to drown Link in a pond, and just before Link is about to die, he grabs the character grabs his head, as if he were putting on one of the masks from the game, and screams in terror. Once that is over, the screen fades to black, and the iconic Song of Healing from Majora's Mask starts playing in reverse. As a statue of Link that you get from a, a later song in the game starts appearing and staring at at the screen, staring at the uh, or rather staring at the player. Mm, okay. He tries and tries to get this to to change and to go away, but the the statue keeps following him and keeps looking at him. And whenever he attempts to escape this or tries to leave the game. He's met with either the iconic line, you've met with a terrible fate, or the iconic line from Ben Drowned, you shouldn't have done that. So on he goes, experimenting, getting told he shouldn't have done that more times than he can count. Oh, I, f- I find that so so creepy if a game yes. tells me, like because the thing
0: is... Uh, there's so many things we do in games that we should not do in real life, and when mm. suddenly this appears, it, it's like the game addresses you directly and says, so like,
2: it takes you into responsibility or holds you accountable. Yes, and staring into this, uh, for and again, this is something that it's part of the normal game in Majora's Mask. There's a, um, the Elegy of Emptiness is another song. You create a, <clears throat> a statue of yourself to sort of weigh on. Uh, pressure blocks so that you can solve puzzles, mm. but the face is is it's grinning eerily and it's very empty with nothing behind its eyes, and that's what's staring back at this player the entire time. Mm. Very uh very judgmental. Very. I'd run a,
0: run out of the room. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> I'd move at this. Move point. <laughs> Let's leave that n 64 here. Yeah, I get a new one,
0: probably yeah, somewhere okay. at the gar- garage sale.
2: <laughs> there's there's so many other games I could play. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I'd be like, nope. I have my own garage sale here. Ninety nine cents. You go.
2: This is Majora. <laughs> Enjoy. Now, here's here's where things come to a an eerie. I shouldn't say close because there is follow up to this, but the story of Jade Usable comes to an eerie eerie sort of close. So. After he's experimenting with this, he starts using um, chat bots like Cleverbot, and it appears that this character, Ben, whose name was on the save file that he loaded from this cartridge, is contacting him outside of the game, speaking with him through these automated chats, and knowing things about him that no one could possibly know. Very terrifying things. Well this goes on for a while and unfortunately we don't have any further posts from jade usable but we do have a a few posts from his roommate um who we later come to find out seems to have been taken over by this entity ben or maybe it was ben the entire time but whoever we know to be whether it was jade usable posting these uh findings on 4chan to begin with or if something had escaped from this cartridge it's impossible to know but we haven't heard from jade usable since he's posted about this strange cartridge that he found at the garage sale so ben was basically
0: ben was the former owner the kid that disappeared mm. that's how i how i how i would understand it he's the kid that disappeared and he's something happened to him and we don't know what it is and he might yes. have been trapped inside this
2: cartridge Something terrible. Trapped is a facsimile of the, of the main character for, who knows, maybe and maybe until the end of time. <laughs> Very scary.
0: God. Oh, God, man. I mean, what are you going to do in such a case? You know, I, I, I've, I, I've read some excerpts from Ben Drowned, but I haven't, I've never really heard the entire story in full. I think mm. it's quite a long read, right? And there's several parts or something. This is really an extensive thing.
2: Yes, it's it. Uh, it goes on past this story of the cartridge, where we find a little bit more out about who Ben may have been. Um, but I think that listeners out there, I, I encourage you to look look into this because Jade Usable actually uploaded video of these glitches that he was experiencing, and they're they're pretty chilling um, to see these uh, these strange things happen in a game that may be familiar to so many of you. Especially because often this material,
0: to me, f- I think I've only seen screenshots, and it doesn't really look like photoshopped. So it's like if you no. were to fabricate this, you'd have to uh, pretty much try and you know maybe use a ROM of a game and of, of the mm. game, and then try to alter it and temper with the code and put in new assets and so on. So it's like quite some effort to
2: fabricate these things. Yes. So certainly possible, but was it fabricated or was it real? Oh, who knows? <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, the same—the same can be said of the story of Pale Luna. Mm. Um, this is also—it's very similar to uh, how the story of Ben drowned started, and it's been the story of Pale Luna has been written up by Mikael Honorius. I found his name online, um, and we have to uh, get our mindset framed as in this is the 1980s. And in the 1980s, you know, there was a lot of stuff going on, like people were um, exchanging floppy disks on the, on schoolyards all the time. You didn't have like a gigantic range of selection of ROMs and so on on the internet, but instead you would go to school and your friend would like hand you a couple of floppy disks and you could, you know, exchange them with other people in order to play games. and. And a lot of these things that were on these floppy disks, and this is not this is not made up, a lot of these things were demos. And when I say demos, mm. then I don't mean like parts of games, but they were, um, often people used to take, a, you know, the title screen of a game and then they fumbled around with it and inserted their own messages and their own name and so on. They modded games and they made tiny quirky games themselves, like, you know, DOS games that have no graphics, that are just text adventures. And distributed them. So it was a very, I would say, a a very deregulated kind of free-flowing exchange of all kinds of weird things. And it wouldn't be rare to come across something that has not really been heard of much before. And one of these is Pale Luna. It is a game of unknown origin. And some of these copies have apparently been distributed in the Bay Area of San Francisco. And it is, it is a text adventure again. 1980s. It's similar to the game Zork, which is one of the first, uh, you know, text adventure exploration uh, games. Yeah. Um, means this means that you always have like a short description, and then you have a command line in which you can enter text or a command of what to do. You press enter, and then you get feedback on that command. Yeah. Go
2: up. I do not know up. <laughs>
0: For example. <laughs> yes. Yes. And when you start the game, Pay Luna. The following lines appear on the screen. You are in a dark room. Moonlight shines through the window. There is gold in the corner, along with a shovel and a rope. There is a door to the east. Command. Now, this seems pretty conventional at first. And what any kind of player would do if you have even the slightest bit of experience... You'd say, pick up gold, pick up shovel, pick up rope, open door, go east. And this is exactly right. This is the correct sequence uh, in which you can do things in order to then leave this room. So far, so conventional, right? It's like, have you ever played a text adventure?
2: I have. I uh, there is an old um, Lord of the Rings text adventure that I was very fond of. Oh, there is. I actually didn't, didn't know that at all. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's fun to look into, and it is. I think really the the game of it is trying to figure out what commands will will this computer recognize. Mm. Yeah, because you don't have a selection of commands. Sometimes you have maybe.
0: sometimes you have maybe like a tutorial or manual where you have an overview of commands, but often, especially with games that are like Pale Luna or that that you receive on the schoolyard, you just need to try out things. You just need to enter things and Mm. see whether they work. And if you do this kind of sequence in Pale Luna, then yes, it works. And afterwards, the game gets increasingly erratic. You see the screen, reap your reward. Pale Luna smiles at you. You are in a forest. There are paths to the north, west, and east. Command. Now, if you do anything, if you, if you try to, this is like the classic way, of, you know, the game is figuring out which commands are allowed. So if you say, use gold, the game says, not here. If you say, use shovel, the game says, not now. If you say, use rope, the game says, you've already used this. Oh, dear. (laughs) (laughs) See where this is going? (laughs) Yes, I do. At
2: least I think I do. And Well, even if I don't, I don't like where it's going.
0: (laughs) (laughs) No matter where it's going, it's nowhere good. It's not good, no. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, figuring out where to go is the next big challenge because you remember that it said three paths are to the north west and east and you now have three directions in which you could go you could say go north go west or go east but there's only one right answer and the thing is if you give the wrong answer then the game crashes crashes your system
2: Mm.
0: so you need to restart your entire computer and you need to start over if you put in the right direction, then the same prompt appears again, three directions, northwest and east. So you need to go through an elaborate process of guessing, randomly guessing which direction is the correct one. It's a super frustrating experience. It's totally buggy, of course, you know, because normally you would, yeah. be, you would get a prompt and then you could just try again, maybe. Many people aborted the game at this point.
2: Although I think, much like, uh, much like with Ben Drowned, my curiosity would get the better of me. If yeah. it kept hard crashing my system, I would think, well, what is beyond this choice? Exactly. You, then at a certain point, you want to know,
0: and there has been yeah. a person, Michael Nevins is his name, to uh, systematically approach this thing and try to solve it. Try it over and over again. It took him five and a half hours to complete this lengthy sequence of trial and error over and over again. Just these directional inputs. And as he finally reached the end of this this trial and error sequence, on the display appeared the following lines. Pale Luna smiles wide. There are no paths. Pale Luna smiles wide. The ground is soft. Pale Luna smiles wide. Here, command. And then you have to do another right series of actions, which then come quite naturally. Dig hole, drop gold, fill hole. And if you do that, on on the screen appears the following message. Congratulations. Forty point two four two four eight minus one hundred twenty one point four four three four coordinates. Yes, this is oh. what Nevins, what Michael Nevins thinks. He, yeah, he's first a bit stum- stumbles over this. It's weird, kind of you know just random series of numbers until he realizes these must be GPS coordinates. So he follows these coordinates, and he follows them deep into a forest near Lassen volcanic lake, uh, Lassen volcanic park, I'm sorry. And exactly at the point of these coordinates, as he has his G- tiny GPS device in his hand, he finds a spot of soft soil. He digs at that spot until something golden shimmers. He continues to dig and he finds the decapitated head of a young girl with shimmering blonde hair oh, (laughs) and this decapitated head is, it's in an advanced state of decomposition. So this has been there for quite a while. So what does he do? He panics. He calls the police, the San Diego police department, rushes over. They determine this is indeed the decapitated head of an 11-year-old girl named Karen Paulson. She had been reported missing one and a half years ago. Nevin's reports to the police and he tells them about the game that he had played, what led him here. He said they got this thing the, on this yeah. disc, this Pale Luna is what it's called. However, the police can't find any traces. It is unclear who distributed the floppy disks. The identity of the developers is unknown. There, is no, there are no credits or any such thing, right? Mm, uh, yes. On, on, this, on this floppy disk. And even more chillingly, the rest of Karen's body has never been found, only her head.
2: Oh, that is a a truly chilling story. And I think the, the thing that scares me the most about that is we are so used to nowadays, uh, you know, 20 minutes of credits showing everyone who worked on a game. But there was a time in the early 80s, the late 70s, where... People were not credited, and you don't know where games came from. Yeah. So what a a, (laughs) – oh, that one one really got to me, that twist of the (laughs) – The the thing is
0: that you can actually find entire videos of the game Pale Luna on YouTube. It's a little bit hard to determine where they came from. We also link the, the videos in the show notes so you can watch an entire playthrough of Pale Luna. And there's even, the story has been so well-renowned that in 2018, a feature film was produced titled Pale Luna, which
2: is about the story of this game. Mm. Well, I have something on my watch list for this Halloween, I think. (laughs) 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 Wow,
0: Pale Luna shines wide, smiles wide.
2: Oh, that is is something else. Well, I think... uh, to, to jump forward just a, a few years, um, this is another sort of uh, a game with a mysterious origin comes into the lap of an unsuspecting person, and what they find is just a little too much for them. So, this is the story of Sonic.exe.
0: Ah, uh, classic.
2: A classic, yes. Yes. <laughs> maybe maybe uh, to its detriment, but we'll get into that. <laughs> so... Our story starts with our our protagonist, a young man who is a very uh, very big fan of old classic games. He particularly loves the Sonic the Hedgehog series. And he likes the newer ones a little bit more, Sonic Unleashed and, you know, the 3D ones. But oh, man. Who, who would like the 3D? <laughs> Here's where this is the horror. unbelievable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> they do exist. They, they live among us, Stefan. <laughs> well so he he gets uh, he he's a fan of sonic and one day um the postman comes to his house and delivers a a package that appears to be from his friend his friend kyle his friend kyle is also a sonic fan and he's sent him this package and in hurried scrawled writing it says uh this thing is after me you must get rid of this disc do not play it. That is what it wants. And so, you know, our, our main, our protagonist here sort of thinks, well, my friend Kyle, he's kind of a jokester. Maybe this is, this is something that, you know, maybe it's a prank. Maybe he just wants me to see what's on this disc. Because if I, it was, for example, Stefan, if you sent me a disc saying, please do not play this game. You must destroy it. I would think, why did Stefan take the time to package this disc, send it to me? Uh, and tell me not to play it instead of just destroying it himself, right? So
0: Exactly, you would assume. Yeah. But that's my first yeah. thought. Why not just cut the thing in half and throw it in the trash? Why send it to someone yeah. else?
2: So maybe maybe Kyle is kind of pulling uh, our protagonist's leg here. So he, he boots it up because it's a it's a CD, and he realizes that it's a ROM of the first Sonic the Hedgehog game called Sonic.exe. Oh, I love that game. It's a great one. And yep. I, I love the music, and I think the music mm. it drives it over home plate for me. Um, not so much happy music in this one, though. I'm afraid. Oh, <laughs> so no. he boots up. He boots up this game, and at first, it looks very much, you know, like Sonic the Hedgehog does. the The loading screen um, is the same. There doesn't seem to be anything particularly off, but. As he hits enter and begins the game, things start to change. Things seem strange. Strangely enough, he's able to choose which character to play. And it's Tails, Knuckles, and then Robotnik, oddly enough. So he chooses Tails to start with. Tails is a familiar wait, character. Wait, just a
0: second. He can play Dr. Yes. Robotnik, which is usually the it's the antagonist normally.
2: Yes, that's that's the strange thing here. That and also... Odd. The stranger thing too is that this is this is meant to be. It seems to be the first Sonic the Hedgehog game, and yet these characters are playable, whereas that wasn't introduced until later either.
0: Yeah, I so, think in the in the first Sonic Hedgehog game, you could only play Sonic, and you, there would be a second player could play Tails. Then, right, a little bit like Mario and Luigi.
2: I think so. Although I, I now that I wonder, I wonder if that wasn't introduced until the second one because I think Sonic. Oh, maybe I only played the second one. Yeah, yeah, that could well, be the case. Either way, very strange to see, mm, It is For, forget forget the two uh, playable characters, Tails and Knuckles, to see Dr. Robotnik, as you say, the villain, a playable character from the start, something is very strange about this. So again, curiosity gets the better of him, um, as, as it does with all of these stories, and he presses onward. And as he's playing his Tails, he goes to uh, what seems to be a Sonic the Hedgehog level, But it's quite a bit darker, and there's a lot of rusted colors. And as he progresses through these levels, he starts to see that the uh, the little animals that you would save in Sonic the Hedgehog, they seem to be uh, seem to have been killed in increasingly gruesome ways, with eyes being gouged out and throats being slit, just horrifying things that obviously you wouldn't expect to see in a Sonic the Hedgehog game. At the end of this level as Tails approaches sort of the, the finish line, there is Sonic with his back turned to Tails, and as Tails, uh, as a, as a cutscene starts to play, um, where they, the protagonist loses control over Tails, Tails walks up to Sonic, and Sonic turns around, and he has bloodshot eyes and sharp teeth, and he looks obviously nothing like the Sega mascot we've all come to know and love. Yeah, But what's... Really scary, I think, and a conti- kind of a through line from Ben Drowned, is that what does this twisted version of Sonic do but address, address the player and say, hello, do you want to play with me? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> That's the correct answer. So soon begins, uh, begins a game of hide and seek, where all our protagonists can do is run from Sonic. But of course, Sonic is very fast. Yeah. And so, when, uh, Tails loses this game, dies, the phrase, you're too slow, want to try again, appears on the screen. So, pretty, pretty strange. And th- and yet, I would still think, well, my wacky friend Kyle, maybe he put something together for me. But, what ended what ended up happening to our protagonist is that when he stopped playing this game it left it left with him. He started to have feverish nightmares about this world that he saw and this version of Sonic that was mangled and and bloodied and horrified. And this stayed with him so much that eventually he had no choice of course but to go back and look more into the game. So after looking into a few different a few different levels where different horrifying things happens to Knuckles um, and Tails, respectively. Eventually, he chooses to play as Doctor Robotnik, and when he reaches the end of this nightmarish level with screaming and and you know black screens flashing all over the place, uh, he describes he is confronted by a quote hyper realistic version of Sonic saying, "I am God." game shuts off and when he looks behind him to his bed he sees that there is a bloodied sonic plushie sitting on the bed as if sonic from the game has come out into the real world ah that's some free merchandise (laughs) (laughs) so i should say uh this one i'm gonna be frank with everyone not so scary (laughs) It's <laughs> a nice attempt. It's I think Sonic yep.
0: Sonic.exe is uh exe, uh, exe is I exe think, yeah exe Sonic.exe is one of the uh, it's uh, if I recall correctly it's
2: one of the earlier creepypastas about video games. It is, and I think that it. Um, so Ben drowned. I think is is largely re- recognized as the first one to yeah. kind of go into. Um, and, it, and it started off very strong because there were the, uh, it was, a, it was this post on 4chan and there were these videos of the gameplay and it seemed very, as you said, so much effort would have gone into it. You, you wonder if it's real. And the problem with really good stories is that people try to recreate them in different ways and take elements from them that they may be didn't put as much effort into as the story that inspired them mm. and i think that sonic.exe while a very valiant effort is played with what i would call um the lazy lovecraft uh effect <laughs> where all of it well i guess this thing is an eldritch god and hey wouldn't you know it it's indescribable, which as an author makes my job very easy. <laughs> very easy. <yeah. laughs> but this is the thing. It's like,
0: um, apart from the fact that it often starts off in the same way of uh, some old cartridge, some old game turns up from somewhere and nobody has any idea where it's coming from and what happened to the friend Kyle and has he ever tried to contact <laughs> him? There are like lots of like loopholes in it and why would he yeah. send it on? Uh, you know, it's like uh, right. there are lots of these narrative loopholes but then at the latest point when you know, okay, a plushie appears, um, okay, now we're talking about like a a, 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 a tiny horror story that's yes. just a fun horror story and, 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 and that's it. Uh,
2: and honestly, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. It's No. Uh, I, I do think that <clears throat> the joy of creepypastas is that they do feel like urban legends. And I think that people feel like once that uh, that layer of um, suspension of disbelief is removed, they lose some of their luster. And I think this is a good example of that where it does, as you say, feel like a horror story at the end of it. But it's it's got its place in creepypasta history. We can't deny that.
0: And it's got its place on Halloween because also like on Halloween, not everything needs to be like genuinely creepy. There's also a lot yes. of, I would say, campy creepiness going around on on, on <laughs> Halloween, probably more so than genuine creepiness. That is also very charming and very endearing. And I think yes. the, the idea, there are also images. Obviously, when when, when such a creepypasta is very successful and uh, Sonic.exe certainly was a successful creepypasta. Then people yes. go ahead and they recreate things, right? And I'm certain there are many fan games out there that try to recreate what this person has described, which is in itself also really quite cool.
2: Yes. I, I looked at a few of them um before our our recording here. And it is uh it is cool the effort that goes into finding, oh, is this the true sonic.exe that was written about yeah. in the creepypasta?
0: And then you don't know. And then you and then for a certain moment, even though you know that this story has been written up by someone who just wanted to tell a cool story, you you hesitate for a second before clicking on that on that uh, right. file, and you think, maybe it's the true thing. I don't want to get into any <laughs> trouble. I don't I don't want to have that plushie. And especially um the thing is that this line that that Sonic says, I am God, this actually reminded me of the very famous misfortune.gb creepypasta which ah, is yes that's also a very widespread one and that line appears prominently and has been become somewhat of a meme uh since mm. and and the story of misfortune gb is this is basically about a cursed uh game boy title a game boy title and there are no official copies, as far as I'm aware. No official copies. There are no ROMs that can be found online. Like, this is not really something you can just download and play. Though there are, um, like, imitations of it. But from from what I've seen, I've seen some reports, I've seen some screenshots, and there are even playthroughs on YouTube. And it seems, like, fairly believable that a game such as this uh, could exist, or could have existed. Surely mm. it's nothing too extraordinary. It's You basically... Play in misfortune.gb, you play a, a little boy and he's confronted with a devilish entity. It has all, is engrossed in this old Game Boy look. So it's an isometric thing. It looks a little bit like, you know, Pokemon um, in, its, in its art design. And when this devilish entity appears at the beginning of the game, it spews the line, quote, I exist within the fabric of reality. Do you want to challenge me? Question mark. And if you then accept the challenge, and this is not, there's no voiceover, right? in, In Misfortune. If you accept the challenge, then you go through a series of screens, like in any conventional puzzle game, with somewhat, I would say, random and sometimes eerie puzzles and guessing games. For example, you would be asked the question, How many people died in this building? And then you have to select a number on the screen, but you have no indication of what is right or wrong. Or another example, you enter the screen and it's like, you've got four huts on the screen and this Game Boy look, you know, like almost an, it's an old Zelda or Pokemon game. Yeah, they, The huts all look identical and you have to enter one of them, but there's no indication which one is the right one. So you can only guess like this is the extent to which this is a game. And The devilish entity announces as you progress, choose wrong and misfortune will befall your loved ones. Are you ready to play? Now, it's especially striking that there's a game over screen in this game. That really has become the meme because if you fail, this is really the slightest mistake that you make, you fail. Dissonant music starts ringing, eerie dissonant music. And this devil appears, and in bloody writing in a text box underneath, it says, "I am God
2: here." Yes, not not something you want to hear from a devil, I wouldn't think. <laughs>
0: <laughs> this is this is what ties it to Sonic.exe, right?
2: Yes, this this fear of uh, to go back to Lovecraft, this fear of some kind of eldritch creature that exists beyond our understanding, telling us that they are the god of this realm and apparently existing beyond the domain of the
0: game because mm. this the um the, the misfortune in the title of the game it it seems to seep out of this game literally because uh, after seeing this game over screen several people supposedly went missing some took their own lives and some developed symptoms of depression the reason for this is unclear Similarly to Lavender Town, the music of misfortune.gb is under suspicion of causing this kind of, you know,
2: sensation of uneasiness. I I was going to ask, do you know about uh, a term called infrasound? Infrasound? I I think I've heard this before. Isn't that something like sound that you can use even as a weapon? I think... I think maybe, but as I understand it, there's a there's an idea that when you go into a house and you all of a sudden you feel as if something is off or you feel like maybe there's somebody watching you or what we may describe as a ghostly encounter. Certain areas have this high highly elevated amount of what's called infrasound, which is a certain frequency that plays tricks on our mind. And I wonder if these games, the Lavender Town theme and this dissonant music maybe are tapping into something similar
0: you might be right about that because i don't know much about um, paranormal research but as far as i'm aware there is there is actual evidence that there are certain you know places that are reported to be haunted and in Mm. these places certain there are certain things that you can you can detect such as um, you know, an, an unusual uh, shift in temperature in a certain place, which is often yes. possible to be explained by, you know, an air drift or something. There are obviously a lot of like reasonable explanations for these phenomena. And it might be that infrasound might be might be one of such explanations, something that we haven't yet quite learned to understand, but that does exist and evoke certain things that we just then have seemingly no explanation for. Yes. Now, while I initially said that no copies of Misfortune.gb are available anymore, this is not entirely true because the curious thing about this, and I don't have a full understanding of what this means, but Misfortune.gb is supposedly contained in some popular games, hidden away in these games. We're talking about titles such as Legend of Zelda Link's Awakening, Pokemon Red, Spud's Adventure, and this is Puchi Karat, I would assume, and Atelier mm. Marie, the Japanese version. Um, this is very strange. I tried to look up wh- where this idea comes from, and there are actual reports of people online who report. I-, I looked up for. I looked this up for Pokemon Red because that's the game that I know the most out of all of these. Mm. Yes. Um, there are people who report that they have found like a certain sequence of events that they can use to be warped into misfortune.gb it requires some glitches to be triggered a very specific sequence of events to be triggered Uh, sometimes it's even necessary to use cheating tools although this is not the case for pokemon red where you could play the entirety of misfortune.gb in pokemon red who knows whether this is true this dude or this person who wrote this Hmm. wrote up this kind of walkthrough said that it, they only managed to trigger it twice but they did manage to trigger it with the steps that they, that they did. Many people in the comments said like hey, I just wasted four hours of my time trying to trigger this. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't know and as always misfortune.gb does not have any credits and the creator
2: remains unknown. Oh, there's something there's something even today I think of a hidden game within a game that is very frightening yeah the idea that you could you could act you know you could be playing something like um uh, maybe fatal frame uh, maybe a spooky game like silent hill something like that and to suddenly stumble into something that you feel shouldn't be there in the first place
0: and it's not entirely impossible if you think about the fact that okay so surely nintendo has not deliberately implemented misfortune.gb into these games. That would make absolutely zero, even for Nintendo standards, it would make zero (laughs) sense. (laughs) But the thing is that we know of several incidents where developers have smuggled things into games that have then been distributed, such as, let's assume you're a developer, you're working on Pokemon Red, and you manage to smuggle a small fraction of code into there that is overlooked you do it relatively at the end of the process and then these cartridges are created and obviously you can't take they can't take it out because these cartridges are already there and then who knows they're distributed all over the world and we know we don't know who it was amongst the the team but it's not entirely impossible that a game such as this would be hidden in other games even though nintendo might not have intended to do that
2: well i think on the subject of hidden games. Can I tempt you with a story about a game that may have never existed in the first place?
0: Oh, this starts off well. This is our last one, right? Our last story yes. for tonight.
2: So perhaps, before I jump into the story of Polybius, do you have any other uh, two-sentence horror stories that are uh, scratching uh, at the back of your mind?
0: Um, None that come to mind. I, I'm thinking. There's so many good ones, but... I can't remember any from the top of my head, I think. Do
2: you have any? I do. I I looked one up uh, just before we started here, and uh, this is one of my favorites, and I wanted to make sure I had the the reading of it correctly. The last thing I saw was my alarm clock flashing 1207 before she pushed her long, rotting nails through my chest, her other hand muffling my screams. I sat bolt upright, Relieved it was only a dream, but as I saw my alarm clock read twelve oh six, I heard my closet door creak open. Oh Jesus Christ, that's a good one, <laughs> right? <laughs> that is a good one. Oh, oh I, the waking think, nightmare.
0: Yeah, the thing is that if I if I do, I, I recall one that is uh, that I, I'm going to mess it up trying to narrate it, but it goes roughly like this. Yes. You wake up in the middle of the night as you hear the sounds of your parents being murdered. Someone sneaks into your room and you hide under the blanket and you hear how they swipe their finger across the mirror on your closet door. And then the sound disappears. And as you pull the blanket back, you approach the mirror and you can't see anything so you you know you you exhale against it and you see the writing i know you're awake
2: oh (laughs) oh very good listeners all right sleep tightly tonight (laughs) all right well the last story i have for all of us (laughs) the last story that I present to the Midnight Society um, is a story about uh, I'm going to take you back again to the 1980s. Um, Good time. Very good time, but also very spooky time where I think uh, there's something about the pre-internet age that all of us living within the internet age can look back on and think, wow, there was really no accountability or paper trails or anything, and things could just get lost and and fall through the cracks very very kind of frightening time so i'm going to take you to portland oregon where in several arcades local arcades when the arcade boom was still kind of fresh out in portland oregon there was an arcade cabinet that was it was the talk of the town everybody played this game they were almost addicted to this game called polybius an old stand-up arcade cabinet where you would, you know, just a quarter per play, and there would be lines out the door. And sometimes people would have to be pried away from the game so that other people could have a turn to play. Very popular. But you may be thinking, why haven't I heard of this game? Well, it would seem that this game Polybius only existed in these arcades in Portland, Oregon. Maybe they were elsewhere, but there are no reports of that something about this this area of the states there it's the only place that got these arcade cabinets owners of these arcades found these machines to be very strange i don't think they ordered them they were just brought into their arcades and every now and again as uh the players were you know taken away from the game and the arcade was shut down for the evening men in black suits would show up and they would appear to be taking data from this cabinet. But they never took the money from it. They only ever looked as if they were trying to see some input data from players or how the game maybe progressed. It's unclear. But what we know is that they had no interest in the money. Now, the players of this cabinet, Polybius, began experiencing many different pathologic issues. They were having amnesia. They were becoming ins- insomniacs. They were having nightmares. And there were even reports of suicide attempts linked to people who had played this game, Polybius. We don't know what this cabinet was or if it was even real. But there are those who speculate that the men in black, that the men in black who would show up to do readings of this game were either from the CIA or the FBI participating in some kind of psychotropic psychoactive mind control uh experiment seeing how different flashing images and sounds may affect people's minds now if that hasn't hooked you already i can tell you that while there's no record of these cabinets some intrepid uh video game players and arcade enthusiasts have recreated this game from the stories that they heard from those people in Portland, Oregon. So you can perhaps stumble upon a recreated cabinet for Polybius. Whether those people who made them made them in earnest as just a, an attempt to recreate this game, or if maybe there was a more nefarious purpose behind them, I can't tell you. But what I can tell you is no one knows what Polybius was meant to be in the first place.
0: Have you seen any of those?
2: Do you have a visual impression of that game? It looks, from, from what we can from what we can tell um it it looks like an old atari style um an old atari style game sometimes people say it looks like centipede other times people say it looks like um uh oh shoot i'm blanking on the name um but sort of a there there's a game where you um you go from the outside of the circle in, sort of shooting as, uh, as different attacks come. This game has a few different names. Um, but some people say it looks like Asteroids. So it's just this kind of amalgamation of all of these old arcade-style games. And no one can really say what it was exactly, except that you couldn't get people to stop playing it.
0: That's, that is really cool. That's a mm. really cool story, because the thing is that hypothetically... Of course, such things can happen, you know. It it, it can technically be the case that a game has... Of course, it it can have an effect on you. We had several instances throughout this show where, you know, we had such things like the the flashing images of a Pokemon episode that would, you know, Mm. trigger certain effects. So it's not entirely impossible that games can have a certain effect. And if you... You know you know the feeling of playing a certain game and being suddenly such a, if, even if I play something like Shadow of the Colossus, I can feel profoundly sad. So yes. these kind of effects are not, they can't be, the possibility can't be
2: excluded. Well, I think that the, the thing that's truly uh, kind of mind-boggling to me is because we don't have an impression of what that game actually looked like, who knows what the people who were playing it were really seeing when they looked into that screen. Oh, my God. Mm. Now I'm properly shaken. Uh, yes. Very spooky. <laughs> proper
0: proper <laughs> Halloween experience here. Absolutely. Uh, shall, we, shall we bring it to a closure now? We've been telling each other horror stories for over an hour now.
2: Yes. I think, <laughs> I think I'll I need uh, to take
0: a walk and take a take That's a deep right. <laughs> Oh. Dear listeners, uh, this was truly uh, an exception with such a you know special horror episode. But you do know that studying pixels is you know free and an independent project, and we rely entirely on your support to keep this show running. And that is why we offer you studying pixels plus. It is essentially our Patreon program, and if you want to support us, then you get three nice things at once. First, you get our sincere gratitude secondly you get a lovely sticker uh, it has the writing i am studying pixels on it and features our cute mascot pixel coon and thirdly you get a monthly but plus episode and this month we have an episode on how not to write a term paper because if you're a little bit too shaken now to think of your term paper and you want to get <laughs> back into the zone then you gotta listen to that plus episode if you're curious, yes. you can get Studying Pixels Plus at studyingpixels.com slash plus to find out more. And of course, thank you so very much for listening. If you like this show, then please... Share it with your friends, share it on social media. Don't send any copies of cursed games to any people, instead destroy <laughs> them immediately.
2: <laughs> yes. Use your brains, folks. <laughs>
0: yes. Let us know your favorite video game related creepy cre- stories of cursed games. Submit your thoughts and questions to podcast at studyingpixels.com or find us on social media. And we're looking forward to hear from you. We'll talk again. And happy Halloween.
2: Happy Halloween. I haven't said
0: happy Halloween at all. (laughs) (laughs) Happy Halloween.
2: Happy Halloween. (laughs)